0: God is good, and all the time, God is good. Good to see you. I will be sharing with you this morning from Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not but us to shame because God's love has been poured into our heart through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates his own love in us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us since we have been now justified by his blood how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only if this is so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now been reconciled to God, be the glory. Amen. I, I should probably go up.
1: Hey man, I got caught up in hurry. I'm going to hey. introduce you to somebody. This. this is uh, Thomas. Before I introduce, uh, before I do introduce him on your chairs, I think Billy's already said something about this, just the CPC, but. Um, Uh, This is a a Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Just wanted to point it out. Um, One of the things that's so great about what's happened over the last few years is we are winning hearts and minds on this issue. There is no doubt about it. You cannot start to look now inside of a mommy like we can, right, and not realize what's inside of her is something that is real, living, and let me just say this, a real, living human being. And so we're winning it. But let me just say this. There's still a lot of hearts and minds to win. And most importantly, there's hearts and minds to win around the gospel. So don't quit praying. Don't quit being a part of this. Uh, it's super important that, that we do that. I just wanted to say that. Um, so I was actually going to preach this morning and um, about when did we meet last week? I don't even remember when we met. Anyways, if you know Thomas, uh, Thomas uh, and Lord, they are over in with the Nagi people. Uh, Was it 2015 that they first heard the gospel and believed? Is that when it was? Okay. Wow. (laughs) But anyways, they now work with them and a church was born there. And man, we're so excited about it. And what they've been doing is very much like what we've been talking about here at Cornerstone We talk a lot about this thing called the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, right? We talk about the greatness of Jesus and him having all authority. And he said to us then, as you're going, well, make disciples, that's what we're supposed to do, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to what? Obey everything he's commanded. And he finishes with this last verse when he says, listen, but I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, here's what I'm excited for you to hear about. Making disciples is not easy. It is massively costly. And one of the things that I really thought is, is I never thought I would see him up on the stage a couple of times. There were a few times just with his life waning, is that the cool part about it is even in the midst of the lowest times, when even at times in his health, we didn't think maybe he was gonna make it, Jesus was right there with him. That's the promise of the Great Commission. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just going to turn him loose to preach. And I'm going to let you guys have a great Sunday just being blown away by an amazing story of the greatness of Jesus in the life of Thomas. So have at it, man. Of course, I can't
2: even tell you where to begin. I, I, am, I am just overwhelmed. We were singing together there a moment ago, and I'm I'm just thinking, like, I am worshiping here with you guys among God's people, and I thought I was, I thought I was in, I thought I was gonna die, I thought it was the end of the story, which, well, I'll get to, really wasn't the end of the story, but just, I was sitting there thinking, like, who am I that such favor and kindness would be shown to me? Man, God did not spare me because I'm a missionary or we serve overseas. No, he spared me because he's good, He's good, and that's what I want to share with you this morning is the goodness of God and his favor. I'm pretty psyched. I'm psyched about it. I don't know if you can tell. (laughs) Um, Most of you know me. My name is Thomas Shearer. My uh, wife, uh, Laura, we went overseas in 2010, and we were sent out by Cornerstone. Cornerstone is not a corporation. Cornerstone is a people. That's you guys. We were sent out by you guys, and uh, as we sought to make application of the word of God, Um, That took us to the other side of the planet, that took us to the Nagi people, and we got to be there the day the Nagi church was born. And so, uh, um, yeah, you can clap for that, that's pretty cool. Um, Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to tell you the the, the story, basically the, the time when I was sick, I'm going to go through all that and talk to you about the goodness of God through all of that. And I just want to emphasize the part that you guys had in that. I absolutely believe with all my heart that I'm here today because of answered prayer, because God's people were making requests on my behalf, and he heard you. I just want to tell you that this morning, that there is a God in heaven, and when you cry out to him, he hears you. And I just want to talk about that this morning and share that with you. And what I love beautifully is what you're going to see is this is going to fit so cool, (laughs) so neatly within what we've been studying in in the book of Romans. Um, So this morning, I guess in a big picture sense, what I really want to do is I want to lead you in in worship. I want to lead you in worship towards God. So about uh, six months ago, here we are serving in Indonesia. We've gone there um, in his name to represent him, and I got sick. I got really sick, not just sick like, sick like we thought I was going to die. If you don't know, I went into um, a septic shock. I had no idea what that was. Um, but here's kind of a layman's simple definition is uh, you get an infection and that infection goes untreated and then it gets into your bloodstream. And so that infection begins to spread all throughout your body and all your organs. And so what your body does, that's called sepsis when it starts to spread like that, What your body does, it sort of ramps up its attack against this this foreign thing in your body and says, we've got to beat this thing. Well, it pushes itself to the limits until it says, I can't take anymore, I'm shutting down. And that's what it does. When you go into septic shock, the body literally begins uh, to shut down and not function anymore systematically. So the first thing that happens is your digestive tract says, I'm getting rid of everything that's inside of me, whether you like it or not, and it's happening right now. The next thing that happens um, is your kidneys decide to take a vacation and no longer do their job, and your liver gets envious, and it decides to also not do its job. Eventually, um, your lungs will fill up with fluid, you'll go into pneumonia, and last but not least, your brain will shut down forever, um, and this can happen within the course of of just a few hours, you're totally fine, fever sets in, bam, you're in the hospital. And if you don't get there fast enough, most people have about a 12 to 24 hour window to get proper medical care once you start at septic shock. And just to, just to say, right, I went about 48 hours um, without proper medical care, which in and of itself is a miracle. Um, so that's the setting that I wanna set this morning. That's the context in which I wanna to talk to you this morning. How does that relate to Romans uh, chapter five? Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter five. And I want this to kind of be a springboard this morning. I just wanna throw out, this is what keeps us. This is what holds us together are the promises of an almighty, all-powerful God who is good. And so that's what I wanna pause for a moment in the story and just let this be a platform here, uh, set the stage for us to keep going so in Romans chapter 5, I'm going to jump down to verse 3. And it says, not only that, talking about we hope in the future, we hope that we're going to share and take part in the glory of God, but not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that sufferings produces endurance. You remember we talked about that last week. And let me just pause right here. Sufferings itself, Now I do not rejoice in the fact that I nearly died but I rejoice in what it produced, and it is good. I don't look back at my time in the hospital and think, oh, that was so traumatic. No, maybe the body went through trauma, but through the eyes of faith, I look back and say, man, God, that was good. Thank you for allowing this and bringing this about into my life. Thank you for what it produced in my life. He goes on, he says, uh, suffering produces endurance, and Todd talked about last week this idea of endurance is pressure. We're being pressed down. And I can say my sickness was pressing down on me and my faith and pushing down on my life and my family. But It didn't crush us. It says because endurance proves uh, our suffering is that pressure, but endurance is that holding up underneath the pressure holding up underneath the pressure. And that is the promises of a good God and a sovereign God who puts meaning into our suffering. That is what holds us when we have pressure. He goes on, he says, uh, this endurance, this holding up under pressure, it produces a character. That's the idea that there's a proven character that our faith in the word of God and in who he is is being tested and it's gonna prove Do you really believe what he says? I tell you what, when you come out on the other side of testing and you look back and you say, man, I trusted him and I saw that he was good and he was faithful, that produces all kinds of hope within you because you know that that hope is not anchored in an outcome, it's anchored in the love of God. And that's amazing. That's what causes us to hold up under pressure. It's this confidence in the love and the goodness of God. So we, uh, most of the time we live in a little small remote village out in the middle of nowhere. I'm just going to throw out, if I had gotten sick in the village, there's no doctors there. In the village, I'm the doctor, and I'm not a doctor. Um <laughs> Had I been, I gotten sick? Well, we just came out to town because our, our mission organization was having a conference. And, uh, um, I mean, I was pretty stoked. You can get to see everybody, you know, within our organization. We don't usually get to see one another because they're all living out in the jungle somewhere. and we We're all gathering together in the city uh, to meet up for a time of fellowship. And about a day or so after we, we got to town, I got sick. I had a fever and it lasted for about a week. And, uh, Um, Everybody's kind of asking, hey, where's Thomas? He's not showing up to any of the meetings. So what's going on? Um, Well, after being sick for about a week, uh, in the middle of the night, I just took this gnarly turn and just got sick. I mean, sick to my stomach. I mean, everything in me is just wanting to flush out. Um, And I woke up the next morning and I was just so weak. Well, here's where God in his perfectly timed, perfectly tailored um, custom grace to our life, he sent us a nurse. A nurse not from Indonesia, but from uh, Canada. She didn't come, her and her family came to Indonesia not to be a nurse, but to, um, to be church planners, just like we are. But in a former life, before she came to the field, she was a nurse. Well, she had heard about my fever, and she was checking in on me, and then she'd heard that I took a turn. And she was the one who inserted herself into this situation and was very aggressive, very, um, what's the word? I don't want to say pushy, but she she just knew, yeah, I'm not sure you know what's really going on here. When she had heard that I was sick and had a really rough night, she came to us and visit us the next morning, and she said, I really think we should go to the hospital now. And what she didn't tell us at that point is she said, I just had a hunch that what you were experiencing, your fever, you were battling sepsis, and you just started septic shock. And you know what? She was right. I didn't know that. I am so grateful that God placed her at just the right time, in the right place, and that she inserted herself in the situation. I would have stayed home because I thought I just had the flu or some, some stomach virus or something like that and literally would have died within a few hours had we not gone to the hospital. Well, she really encouraged us to go to the hospital. We rushed me off there and um, we get to the hospital there in town. And uh, you guys know other parts of the world, medical care is not always... No, he's great, okay? Um, and I'll just say this. It's not that this is a bad hospital. It's just, it just didn't have the training that maybe other places would have. I'll just put it that way. So we get to the hospital, and we're in the emergency room, which may have been improperly named. It should have been called not the emergency room, but the non-emergency long waiting room. Um, we waited three hours for an IV. That's not medicine or anything else, but I was extremely dehydrated. Everything is going dizzy. Dark. I'm just like, ah... Uh, Guys, I can't see the lines on my hands. I can hear you talking to me, but I can see you talking to me, but I can't hear what you're saying. Um, and we waited three hours for an IV. Well, our friend, the nurse, she's at this point is kind of freaking out because she thought, I'm gonna take him to the hospital. They're gonna take charge of this and everything will be fine. They'll give him the proper care that he needs. And when she saw that wasn't happening, she's just like, we got to do, do something. We got to do something. Well, they carted me off finally to a room, at which point we were told that the doctor would not be able to see me today, that he wouldn't be able to come until tomorrow. Um, and I could tell that everybody, you know, our friend, her husband and my wife and uh, everybody was really tense. And I just super spiritually said, hey guys, relax, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Hey, don't raise your voice with the staff. Like, it's like, let's just, Let's just not be angry Westerners, you know? Let's just let's just chill. Let's not make a scene. And I really did meant well. But I had no idea what I needed at that point. And I was so glad. Uh, Our friend, she told us later on, she said, I remember when you said that. And I remember thinking, you have no idea of the danger that you are in. You have no idea. If I do what you say, you will die. And um, I'm so glad that she didn't listen to me. So she (laughs) runs off finds this group of nurses, and she just starts saying, you don't understand, he can't wait till tomorrow. Like, this is, and she started explaining, and she starts explaining her background. She's, look, like, I know what I'm talking about. He needs these kinds of antibiotics immediately. Like, he's not gonna make it to tomorrow. And so they're like, I mean, seriously, like, just wait, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And finally, she says, if you don't move, you're gonna have a Westerner die in your hospital, implying this is gonna make the news and your name's is gonna be in the paper, and you're gonna be embarrassed. And so she put this pressure, thank you, Lord, that she put this pressure, they call the doctor, and the doctor says, okay, you can give him these kind of antibiotics or whatever. And she, uh, uh, they give her a pres- uh, prescription. She, she sends her husband off to a pharmacy. He goes out, comes back to the hospital, has this box full of uh, um, antibiotic IVs, IV antibiotics, however you say that. Um, and they handed the nurse and the nurse would take it and they say, thank you. And they just put it under the counter there. And our friend is like, what are you, what's the plan? What are you doing? When are we starting this? And they said, tomorrow when the doctors come. Well, at this point she loses it and she just says, if you do not give him this medicine now, I will take it from you and I will give it to him myself. So they called the doctor back and they said, look, this lady's freaking out. And so he said, all right, fine, go ahead and start him on some antibiotics. Well, praise God that at least I had that because it was enough to get me through the night. But our friend, in her experience, she knew this is not gonna be enough. At this point, he needs a whole lot more care because things are happening that are not being addressed inside me, you know? And so she ran off again without my knowledge. I had no idea. I'm laying there in the bed thinking, this is a really bad case of the flu, guys. And she runs off and she starts communicating with our leadership. She starts communicating with pilots saying, hey, we, we need a medevac. We need to get him to, to either Singapore or Australia, someplace where he can get the kind of care that he needs at this point. And again, I am so glad that she did. I was ignorant and totally helpless. Even if I had known the danger that I was in, I did not have the strength at this point. I could no longer walk. I couldn't sit up, you know. I was just so weak. I did not have the strength to be able to advocate for myself, even if I had known the danger that I was in. And I'm so glad that God sent her. You guys realize that that was God's grace to me and God's favor to me. Totally ignorant of what I needed, but he knew and he was sufficient. And he provided without me even asking. Guys, as I look back, and just, uh, she did make arrangements. I was able to get a medevac the next morning. They said it was the fastest arranged medevac that they've ever had. Um, it just, it, there's too many details, but just, I'll just throw this out. The, the organization that flew me down to Australia, they didn't have permission to fly outside of the country up until two weeks before I got sick. So in other words, if I'd have gotten sick even two weeks before then, no one would have been able to fly me anywhere. It's like the favor and the goodness of God, preparing things ahead of time. Hey, we're gonna need, you're gonna need to have this permission because in two weeks, I, there's a guy I need you to fly down to Australia. So those things came together by the grace of God. And uh, as I look back, I can't help but think, I think about what our friend did for me when I was helpless, and I thought about it without my knowledge, without my knowing, and I thought, man, that's just like Jesus. That's just like Jesus. That's just like what we read in uh, Romans Romans 5, verse five, or excuse me, verse six, while we were still weak. Maybe some of your translations might say helpless. When we were weak, we were helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, we were not just weak in our sin, we were dead in our sin. We were ignorant and blind to what we needed. And I'm so glad that God didn't wait around for humanity to say, this is what we need. He said, no, I know what you need. I'm not gonna listen to you. You say you don't need me, but I know what you need. And he was willing to do the hard work of sending his son to die in our place, while we were totally ignorant and blind, while we didn't see him or recognize him or give thanks to him, he said, I'll do this for you. While we were enemies with him, you see, our friend, she was fighting to save a friend, but Christ, he was fighting to save his enemies, that he might win them, that they might be a part of his family. This is incredible. God, who was not obligated to anyone to do anything, said, this is what I will do for you. When you don't even know what you need, I do. I'm going to make a way, and I'm going to be sufficient. I'm going to be enough. And yeah, right now you're ignorant, but one day I'm going to open your eyes. And that's I think this is amazing. We were not just sick in our trespasses and sins, but we were dead. We were dead. And he opened our eyes to see who he was and the work of his son in which we would not know him had he not made himself known. This is the grace of God towards his enemies. And if that is the grace that he has towards his enemies, what kind of favor? How much more now having been reconciled, what kind of favor does he show us now that he's made us his own, that we become his kids and are part of his family? I want you to remember that when you're struggling with sin and your own failure, and and you think, man, I just feel like the worst child of God. Just remember how he treated you when you were an enemy. But now that you're a son and you're a daughter, how does he think of you now? If this is what he was willing to do for those who hated him, who wanted nothing to do with him, he says, I'll win you. I will win you. If you would get a hold of that reality, that if God did not withhold, which you'll get into when we get into chapter eight of Romans, if God did not withhold his own son, if he did not withhold his own son, what good thing will he withhold from you now? And the answer is nothing, nothing. That truth will carry you. That truth right there. If you don't remember anything else I say this morning, that God if he was not willing to withhold his own son, he will not withhold anything from you, know, anything good that you need right now. That truth will hold you through some of the toughest things. When, we were, when I was in the hospital in um, Indonesia, before we knew that a medevac was even gonna be possible, there was a, there was a moment where I thought, well, we realized, okay, this is, this is actually serious. This is not the flu. <laughs> and... Began to hear words like septic shock and began to sort of piece things together because our friend wasn't telling us everything on purpose um, because she didn't want to panic me. Um, and the reality of like, I thought, I, I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this. So I remember Laura and I, we were alone in the room. I said, Laura, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is gonna end well. She uh, just, uh, you know, tears welling up in her eyes. She says, "Uh," says, I know. I said, but you know what? Then that will be the good thing that He has for us because He's already promised that He will withhold no good thing from us. So, whether by life or in death, in that moment, we're saying, God, we know that You will withhold no good thing from us. So, for me, if healing, if that's what he says, that's good for you right now, then I knew that he would give that. If he said, no, the good thing for you right now is I want you to come and be with me, okay. I'll, I'll take that too. That's from you. Let me just say this. There was a there was a, it wasn't that long. There's there there's a there's a, there a moment there where I thought, you know, in a few hours, I might see the face of Jesus. If you think about that, like. Like I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I really might in a few hours see the face of Jesus, the son of God, the one who gave himself for me. I'm gonna see him. I'm gonna see his face. Not just, it's gonna be direct and I'm gonna hear him speak to me. The one who loved me and gave himself up for me, I'm gonna see him. I remember thinking of all the things I thought I would do for the Lord, you know, even in ministry, and all that kind of faded away. And I know the idea of standing before a holy and righteous God uh, is terrifying. But there was this kind of peace that I had in knowing that I know the judge. I know the judge, and, and I know he's the one who with his own blood paid for all of my sins, And he makes me fit to stand in the presence of Almighty God in all of his holiness, not because of anything that I've ever done, but because of him, because of what he did for me on the cross, that he took my dying place. And in that moment, I knew I could stand before him. It's going to be okay. Because Jesus' blood, it was enough to pay for all my sins Um, I just have a, about a minute left. Man, time flies, huh? That was my side of things. For me, either I was gonna get better or I was, I was gonna go be with Jesus. For me, I was only facing gain. One of the things that most people say is, uh, what about your family, though? Well, my wife, uh, and I talked to her last night, I was like, I want to make sure I'm representing her well and what she was thinking during that time. Um, she said, Jesus is the prize and the treasure. Jesus is the prize and the treasure. Family is not everything. If Jesus is truly everything, then family and spouse and children cannot be everything. You see, if I was everything and I died, then she lost everything. But if Jesus was the prize and she was viewing me not as what was due her, not as the greatest treasure of her life, <laughs> but if she wasn't looking at me and family as everything, she was saying, no, he's, he's a temporary gift from the Lord and we'll enjoy as much sweet time together as we have. And when he says it's enough, that's okay, because I was never the treasure. I was never the prize. It was always Jesus. And if we were going to temporarily be separated, and that's okay, because we'll join up once again in the presence of Almighty Jesus, who was our treasure. That. Guys, that is the rock-solid hope of the gospel. That is what keeps us. That's the kind of hope that Paul's talking about in Romans 5. It doesn't bring us to shame. Our hope was not based on an outcome. It was based on a person. It was set in the person of God. And so it was enough and it held us. And it was good. Let me close in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you that, God, I'm here today. I thank you for the favor that you've shown me, Lord, and ask God that that same favor would be known by your people and the folks in this room. I pray that if someone here doesn't know you, I pray today they can have a chance to meet Jesus, to meet this incredible treasure that we have in you, Lord. Father, I pray that we would not neglect you in the greatness of Jesus, Lord. Would you continue to be the most important thing in all of life, Lord. Thank you for the favor. Thank you for the hope of the gospel. Lord, you're good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Wasn't that great? Like, just thank you, man. Well, something special before we go. I don't know how many of you know Mike and Tippy Littlefield. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Tippy was, it, when were you on staff? Started
3: in 99. Started in 99. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, and then how long? 2003, 2004,
3: uh, somewhere in there? Something about that, yeah. Yeah,
1: because I came yeah. on staff and she left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to take that, but I'll just kind of work with it. But. I got to know them just through, kind of through friends and through different things. But God's been doing a cool work in their life. And so what I wanna do is just give them a kind of a chance to share a little bit about kind of what God has been doing, how he's gonna transition them. So I'm just gonna turn you loose to kind of maybe explain that out and then just have that. Help us understand where you're at right now so we can pray for you guys.
4: Okay, great. Um, Man, we've got so much history in this church. 21 years ago this month, I came, uh, God just began to work in my heart and changed my life. And uh, <laughs> 13 years ago this month, uh, I took my first flight lesson uh, to start pursuing missionary aviation so that we could go help people that live in the bush in places uh, like like Thomas and Laura do. And so, um, just over seven years ago, we went to Papua New Guinea where I got to, we got to fly for Wycliffe Bible Translators and support works not only with Wycliffe, but uh, New Tribes, Ethnos 360, and, and other ministries that were going on there. We got, um, while we were there, over the course of the seven years, uh, over 17 New Testaments were completed. These are, these are people groups that got God's word for the first time in their language. That's not, uh, not even all the little scripture portions, but these were the completed works that have been going on maybe 20 years, 15 to 20 years, that you guys have all been a part of. Um, through the ministry that, that is going on and through us being able to serve over there. Um, and so uh, we are so thankful. And, uh, and in the last year, year and a half, actually maybe almost two years now, the Lord started started doing something that we were a little bit confused about. And, uh, and he began to start to to make some changes and about a year ago we realized that there were going to be enough pilots uh, and uh and we started kind of going man lord what's going on because it it does it costs a lot of money for families to be overseas and doing what we're doing and I've always had a, a burden of the stewardship of that and I want to be busy doing what we're what we're called to do if uh if you guys are are pouring into that and uh and so we started just contemplating do we do we switch and do something else do we do we, uh, what do we do? And so through wrestling with, with the Lord um, over the course of about three to four months, we made the decision that our time in Papua New Guinea was going to be complete. Um, and that was tough. And uh, and so then we came back here at the end of our, our field term. Uh, we completed our field term. We had, we left great relationships and uh, and. We're. Um, it, it was really bittersweet to leave there, but but we knew it was the right decision, and so so we left not knowing what's next. And so we thought we'd come back here, we'd do a big two and a half thir- month, thirteen thousand mile road trip in our car, and the Lord would would shine it <laughs> in our face as to what we were going to be doing next. And that didn't happen. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we came back and we wrestled some more, and we we kind of felt like God was silent, and uh, and we. The big lesson I think uh, in all of this is uh, is just God's faithfulness. Like He would give us little glimpses of His provision, of His just showing that He is still with us each and every moment, and uh, and so that just kept encouraging us. And like we haven't been down, down um, what is it, uh, disheartened through the through the time. We've been just thinking, okay, God, you've, like if this isn't it, then you've got something else, and we just kept knocking on doors and looking and looking and looking and uh, ministry opportunities we thought didn't happen and uh, different things. So ultimately, I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I sent a resume to a company that I, we had looked at and visited in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a medevac air ambulance company that they fly international air ambulances from Atlanta. And, uh, and the guy emailed me back within 10 minutes and said, your timing's perfect, I'll call you sh- soon. And uh, on the phone about an hour later, he offered me a job. And so, so we're gonna be moving to Atlanta. We're moving to a different culture. I got to learn some from Terry or what? <laughs> uh,
1: they talk funny.
4: <laughs> it's a different language, a different culture. Like it's cross-cultural ministry. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but we're excited. Uh, we know nothing about Georgia really, and uh, uh, but we're excited to do that. And I just really the the thing that God has been teaching me lately is about His faithfulness and. Uh, and how it's important for us to be faithful. I've been reading through, uh, the girls and I are uh, reading through the Bible this year. And um, in Genesis, as we we're reading through and just thinking again on the story of Joseph, Joseph didn't know what God was doing when he was in prison in Egypt. And uh, yet he could see God's hand at work because he was interpreting dreams and he was getting favor with the guards and the people that were overseeing him. and and. Uh, and so it's just encouraging for me that this isn't necessarily a calling that we're going to right now it doesn't feel like that it feels like i don't know what it feels like like god's provision and we're in an open door and we're we're going to be faithful and uh and we're anyways i'll let Tippy talk cuz i talk too much
3: <laughs> i just wanted to say a couple things um we just want to convey our thanks to cornerstone um, we are so grateful and i wanted to convey our thanks not just on behalf of our family, um, but on on behalf of the many missionaries that we were able to serve and the many Papua New Guineans that we were able to serve. I know that they would love to have the chance to stand up here and say thank you um, themselves. So on behalf of those people, I say thank you to you guys also. And when our family started this journey to Papua New Guinea 10 years ago, uh, some of you who were part of cornerstone at that time you may remember that we used an image of a chain link and we talked about or we shared about how um we saw it as a picture of how god wants the whole body of christ to be involved in bringing the gospel to places where it doesn't exist yet where it hasn't been yet and in each of us um, we each can play a, a small part in that task and we saw ourselves as the missionaries that were going, we were a link, and the missionaries are the people who you guys who were staying here and were praying for us and supporting us financially. You guys also were a link in that chain that was reaching all the way to Papua New Guinea, and as we're stepping out of our role as um, overseas missionaries, we see ourselves as stepping into a new new role, but with the same goal, and so I just wanted to take the opportunity to encourage Cornerstone um, to think about what part you guys can play, because I can tell you guys we've been overseas and there's still so much work to be done. Um, so I just wanted to encourage all of us to think, how, how can we be involved in um, getting the gospel to places that it still doesn't exist?
4: Um, lastly, we're, we're gonna be completing our time with Wycliffe at the end of March. And, and uh, that just is almost perfect timing. We're gonna be moving here in a week. Uh, back to Atlanta, I'll start doing some training and just preparing, and we'll, we'll try to get settled there.
1: Can I really stand up? Let's just pray for them. Just thank God, and then pray for them as God takes them to this strange new land <laughs> they call Georgia. Let's <laughs> pray. Father, thank you so much for the little fields. Thank you for Mike Tippy. Thanks for the kiddos. Oh, God, you're good. Gosh, Thank you for the journey that you take us all on that doesn't make sense all the time. Father, some of those journeys have such heartache. They have such joy. There's so many aspects of it. And yet, in each facet of it, as we look back, hindsight being 2020, you're always good. So I thank you for them. God, I thank you so much that you've given us the gospel. You've called us to be a part of your great commission. You've called us to stay and see me and some to go to Papua New Guinea and then even some to venture off to the the crazy place of Georgia. But God, you're just good. And I look so forward to what you're gonna do for them. I look so forward as you give them a new call for what you've asked them to to do and to be about. And I just pray, Father, above all things, would you just increase their love for Jesus? Would they love Jesus more next year and the year after that? Would you just increase that passion, that desire for you And Father, then when we see one another again, whenever it is, would we celebrate in the greatness and the goodness of who you are. Father, we love you. Um, We're so glad we can trust you with them. In your precious name we pray, amen. Uh, Thanks.